Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. It can be hard to find the right people at the best of times, but now, as we face record low unemployment, how do you hook the best candidates? And what draw cards must be in your job ads? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. There's a bit of an art to posting a job ad. You need a catchy job title, a list of responsibilities, your expectations of the candidate, all the mundane stuff while trying to show your company and the position in the best light. Writing the ad is just the start of it, of course. You have to decide which platforms to advertise on, like online newspapers, magazines or traditional job boards like Seek. An increasingly popular tool is LinkedIn says Karen Gately, CEO of Corporate Dojo. But is it etiquette to approach candidates directly on LinkedIn? Or, as Chris Ashmore asks Karen, does that open a can of worms? Not necessarily. I think, you know, we can see a version of their CV, if you like, in terms of what they've presented. And if we think that they are a likely person that, you know, at least on paper has some of what we're looking for, then to reach out and explore whether or not, you know, they are interested in discussing it further with you. I don't think there's any harm in that. To approach people directly for a basic level of membership It's only people you are connected with that you can send them a note. But if you have a higher level of membership, then you can send what they call in-mail and just proactively reach out to those people. I know a lot of recruiters are using it actively. So I think, you know, it is a great source of candidates. And then you're just exploring, are people interested in having a further conversation? I don't think that's any different to if you were advertising on Seek, for example. When it comes to advertising, whether it's LinkedIn or Seek or newspapers, what should be included in the job ad? So I think you need to focus on what do you offer? So what's your employment value proposition? You know, what is attractive about what you're offering? So I think some employers really limit their job advertising to, okay, here's the roles, here's the responsibilities, but fail to really think about, you know, what's the sell? Why would somebody want to join your business? So that might, for example, be providing insight to the culture of your organisation, the type of person that, you know, is most likely to fit with your team and ultimately thrive in the role. So I think there are the basics around, okay, well, what is the job so people know what they might be putting their hand up for? But then, as I said, those benefits, why is this an attractive opportunity? So, for example, I've worked with a lot of clients over the years who've been trying to attract people into regional centres and often what their ads are focused on is, you know, what's the benefits, the lifestyle benefits beyond the actual just job, why is this a good place to relocate to, for example, and you know what can people expect by going down that path. So all of the basics, you know, help people to understand what the opportunity is, but then do a bit of a, a sell on why this is an attractive opportunity. Should they put salary in there? That's a really interesting one. One school of thought is that salary can help people to decide yay or nay. You know, is this something that's even remotely 
something I'm interested in. So for example, if we're advertising online, usually there is a way of putting the salary in the background so that when people are filtering jobs and putting in their own salary levels that they're looking for, it'll only bring up the jobs that are within that category. But to actually put it on the front page can set a really set expectation around what the salary level is. And, and often with candidates, there's a range of salary that is appropriate for that job. And what they ultimately earn is going to come down to who are they, you know, what level of experience do they bring and where within that market range is the appropriate place to pitch the offer to them. So, you know, it can create a bit of a challenge in that regard. But at the same time, if people have no clue what this job's offering, then they don't know whether or not it's something that they're interested in. And that can create a bit of noise in your candidate pool. So it's about using your judgment on this one, I think. You know, sometimes often the middle ground that employers take is providing a salary range that they're advertising. If you want a business advisor that walks with you and not just talks with you, then Mazars is the right fit for your business. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S If a business is inundated with resumes, how do you go about the process of culling them? One of the ones for me is if a candidate writes a cover letter that says, Dear Sir, Madam, that's a pretty quick turn off for me because it doesn't really say to me that they've actually thought about who's the organisation I'm applying for, have they put a bit of effort into finding out who the hiring manager is. Certainly if the hiring manager or the recruitment consultant's name is advertised and they haven't bothered using it, then I'm starting to question whether or not they're actually putting their best foot forward. So I think the, the next obvious ones are around how targeted the application is. So a lot of candidates will just throw out the same CV for every job that they go for, whereas the best quality candidates we're looking for have actually tailored their application to us. An example of that is some candidates will just throw you the CV without writing a cover letter. I certainly like to see that they've put the effort into a cover letter that is talking about your selection criteria. So what have they read in the job ad and what do they see as being relevant in terms of what they can bring? Another obvious one in my mind is if it's full of spelling errors and grammatical errors and clearly not every job really requires someone to have strong writing skills. But again, is there an eye for detail? Have they demonstrated a careful quality in what they've actually produced? By the time you've gone through all of those, you've got your, in most cases, your CVs down to a far smaller pile the next step I would take is phone screening where I'm having a short conversation with each of those people. So in some cases, you might have 150 applications. You'd want to get that down to probably 20 or 30 at the most that you're going to start to phone screen. And for those that haven't made the cut, how do you tell them? It can be quite a delicate procedure. And how long should you wait until you do tell them? The first comment I would make is make sure you do tell them. You know, it's so common to hear that people apply for jobs and they just never hear. And I just don't think that that's smart in terms of your employer brand for being respectful and considerate. So you do need to tell them. I think how long you take to tell them, again, depends on your process. So there'll be some candidates that just quite obviously aren't up for the job. So there's no reason to wait. I would be telling them as soon as you've made that decision. There's some that might 
might be on a, a second list if you like. So we're going to explore these ones first, but there are some people we might want to come back to. Again, I would be reaching out to say, um, thanks for your application. We're working through things. We'll let you know. Just so again, they have some visibility of where we're up to in the process. But I would say to be courteous, as soon as you've made your decision, then get on with telling people. Where possible, give them a little bit of insight as to why. You know, what was it about their application that didn't meet your requirements? In some instances, that's just because they're stronger candidates, people who are bringing more of what you're looking for. So again, to help that candidate to understand that, I think is courteous. That was Karen Gately, CEO of Corporate Dojo. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more BE Daily tomorrow. Follow at BE Daily Podcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily Podcast. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot com dot A-U.